You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Actually, it's the it's the lead play in our in our offense. Double tackle, defensive end. If he's over, if he's not, he drives down the first man who is inside. Pull back and get him. Take the first man outside the offense. Tackle. No one shows. Go right by them and field this back. If the YN has the linebacker taken out, he cuts inside. If the YN has the linebacker in. What's up, guys? Welcome into Packers Total Access. My name is Clayton. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. You can email us, Packers Total Access at gmail.com. You can text us, 865-658-5824. I'm joined alongside the great, the man, the, the man, the myth, the legend, Paul Brettel, here to talk some Packers with us this evening. Paul, how was your day, pal? It's been excellent. You're too kind, but this is all, always one of my favorite convos of the week, so always happy to join you, Clayton. Yeah, I tell you, man, it's uh, we always learn a lot, but it's just like two two buddies uh having a cold brewski talking ball, man. It's it doesn't get any Hopping better. I really appreciate you, Tom. It's uh, <laughs> it's awesome. So again, guys, you can find him on on Twitter at Paul underscore Brettel. Writes for Packers Wire and Dairyland Express. Does great work over there. So Paul, let's kind of kick this off. Let's get the bad news out of the way, if we will, man. <laughs> the uh, the Giants game. It was a tough one to uh, tough one to stomach. You know, the longer that game went on, it just felt like. Mm, this one's going to get away from them. I'm curious that to get your take on it. Like maybe what's the first thing that comes to mind when you think about that loss, maybe a key to the loss. What, what stood out to you the most? I know Joe Barry has taken it on the chin all week long, but after I watched the tape, I'm looking at it going, man, oh man, there's plenty of blame. I mean, you had the turnovers, right? You had, you know, obviously the muff punt during the middle eight, one lost you the turnover difference, right? It just, there's a ton of different things running through my mind, but Paul Brittle's take, what do you think about that game? Yeah, so I'll go two different avenues here, and I'll finish on a positive note. There we go. Uh, we need that. it or not. But <laughs> so the first on the defensive side of the ball, I'm going to go with the pass rush. I mean, we talked about on last week's show that going into the game, all right, what's the key to this? Slowing Saquon Barkley. And they did that for like outside of the last two possessions of the game. I remember looking it up. It was about – and I think it was early in the fourth quarter, he was averaging under two and a half yards per rush. Like the run defense was doing its job. I thought the interior defensive line, Clark, Slayton, Wyatt, really good job getting push up up the middle just to not even, in most instances, not even give Barkley the opportunity to get going. So going into the game, you think if they're somehow able to do that, that's going to allow this pass rush to eat. It's going to give them the opportunity to get after the quarterback which they did have those opportunities, but they could not capitalize whatsoever. I 
I equated it to looking a little bit like there was 11 guys on the field playing, you know, playing 11 different ways. It just didn't feel in unison. And I think that led to specifically up front, a, a breakdown, a lack of pass rush fundamentals, because that's how those, those running lanes get created. It's not as if there was, you know, it's not as if they weren't generating pressure. They were able to get him off his spot and he was quick to tuck the ball, but there was just these massive lanes. As Matt LaFleur said afterwards, they were blowing right by him. And, you know, that's where for me, a lot of these issues that the defense faced and the offense as a whole face or the team as a whole faced was not being able to convert those opportunities into sacks. We all know the importance of that. And this was a giants offensive line that came into the game, allowing 69 sacks on the season, most in the NFL by 11, I, I can't remember if I mentioned this stat last week, but of the pressures that DeVito's that have happened to him this season, 53% of them have become sacks, according to Pro Football Focus. Literally a coin flip. Every <laughs> single time you get pressure, uh, there's a sack opportunity. And Green Bay couldn't come up with any. They only had two quarterback hits. So, yes, the last drive uh, was a, a collective failure, but they were partially in that position as well because of their inability throughout the game to be able to get those sacks. And that allowed DeVito to extend drives, kept him out of predictable passing situations. Uh, just uh, all the trickle down effect that we talk about from, from not being able to get after the quarterback or bring him down when you do. So for me, that was one of the big things outside of that final drive defensively on a positive note, the offense's last three possessions. Yeah. When Matt LaFleur talks about Jordan Love, and it's not just this week, but the whole season, he uses the word resilient quite a bit. And to me, that's what those last three drives were. That game was, we all saw it, wasn't wasn't well executed by Love, by really anyone on the offensive side of the ball or, or the defense for that matter. But despite the indecisiveness early on, the inaccuracy, you know, those last three drives, he was able to put them in scoring range. Now they weren't able, Andres Carlson missed a field goal. The, the, that and the next possession where they got the field goal, they weren't able to convert into touchdowns. And Love was very hard on himself this week. Like very, you know, as questions were trying to, uh, you know, bump, lift him up in terms of, hey, you guys did this at the end. He was always very quickly to go back to the, well, we didn't finish with a touchdown. And one of the, things learned about him this week from Lafleur, from Adam Stenovich is that he's one of the more self-critical individuals that you'll find um, in terms of evaluating his own game. And I think that that's always going to be going to be a positive, but regardless, he led, I think it was like an eight play drive, missed field goal, a seven play drive, converted the field goal. And then they were given the, you know, the good field position from the Saquon Barkley fumble and turn that into a touchdown. And I know they were working with a short field, but we've seen them in several instances this year, the Broncos game, the Raiders game, where they had a short field or put themselves in position to be in the red zone or on the verge of the red zone. They weren't able to convert those opportunities into points. They did that. They took the lead with a minute 30 left. And that was the second time in four games, including the Chargers game, where Love led a final drive in the last few minutes of the game to give the offense the lead. And so I think that, those last three drives show the growth, show the resiliency, and that this group, even though the game wasn't going well, they were able to bounce back. And that's three drives in the span of an entire season. It's a small sample size, but that's also what good quarterbacks do, regardless of what happened previously, whether or not you should even be in that position. 
like one could argue that the Packers should have been down 10 or 14 points in those final five minutes because they were gifted a pair of turnovers. Like the two turnovers that the Packers got from the Giants, they really had nothing to do with hit the Giants uh, special true. teams player and then Barkley trips and coughed it up on the ground. Like they really had zero impact on any of those plays. But nonetheless, uh, that's what good quarterbacks do. You're given an opportunity. Uh, even things, even though things are going poorly, you go down and score. Yeah. And you were talking about that, you know, them going down and scoring, the, the Packers going down and scoring that Malik Heath touchdown. The way that play set up from the play call itself and how it was designed to identify the defense and then give Love an option to can out. Like essentially they used motion, they detected man, Love cans out, shifts the T over to the tailback over, forces an isolation. Now he's got the out. And on top of that, he had Jaden Reed on the slant underneath wide open. Mm -hmm. It was just like, all these moving parts and the most the, the most simple aspect of the play, Paul, which got me so excited is how quickly they got to the line to have the time to diagnose that stuff, move everybody around, single up Malik Heath. And just what a phenomenal catch by Malik Heath, man. He's uh, he seems to be the real deal. But I, I keep telling myself, Clayton, he hasn't played near enough. Like, stop getting excited. This is Jeff Janis all over again. You know what I mean? But something just feels different. I mean, even I know he technically dropped the touchdown pass at the end there. But just even that play alone, man, it was just, I don't know. Malik Heath just seems to have it. I'm excited mm -hmm. to see him moving forward for sure. But um, as far as injuries, let's get some more bad news out of the way here. I know we heard that uh, A.J. Dillon's got a broken thumb, to the best of my knowledge. I love how Matt said I'm not getting into the details. And then A.J. Yeah. <laughs> in the locker room said, yeah, it's broke. <laughs> but um, just want to get kind of an update on all the injuries coming out of Green Bay as we get ready to play Tampa. Yeah, unfortunately, there's a long list once again. Uh, start with the running backs, as you mentioned, A.J. Dillon, broken thumb. Uh, so there's kind of, this is kind of twofold for him. One, it's what do what do they have to do to be able to protect the thumb? It sounds like from, you know, he spoke to us on Thursday. It sounds like this week they've gone through a few different braces or different types of padding. Matt LaFleur said today that it was really padded up for today's practice where he was limited and he missed the first two days of this week. Mm -hmm. The other part of the equation, and Dylan told us this on Thursday, like if he's good enough to go, He's going to be out there, but the question is, is him being out there, is he going to be a detriment to the team? You know, ball security, the Bucks team know that he has a thumb injury. If he has the ball, they're a hundred percent going at that hand. Uh, you know, not teams are always going after the football, but I imagine it'll be a little bit more aggressively knowing that that injury is there and what oh, yeah. become of it. So the Packers and AJ Dillon have to figure out if he's going to be out in the field, like, is he going to hold it just in his opposite hand? Like, you know, they're, they're going to have to figure out what that, what that math looks like to, to solve the <laughs> equation because the Buccaneers are going to have a target on AJ Dillon's hand Absolutely. when he's got the ball. So th that's kind of twofold in terms of, you know, deciding if he's going to be out there or not. Aaron Jones, uh, he's missed three games. He said on Thursday he's feeling confident he's going to be out there on Sunday. Uh, I guess for now, or I, I, I take him at his word for that. For me, the question, though, is what's his workload going to be like? You know, he's coming off the injury, and not just with Aaron Jones, but others coming off injuries. We've seen that there can, can the Packers can ease them back into it. So if Aaron Jones does play, but he's on a pitch count, A.J. Dillon plays, like what's his workload going to be like? Or if he doesn't, like Patrick Taylor, someone who I know he's been running back to the last few weeks, but he's someone who could see more opportunities. And for him, you know, I asked him about this. He goes, his preparation this week is 
identical to previous weeks. He goes, nothing's changed. Week one, when I was on the practice squad, I'm prepping to be RB1 that week. So for him, it's business as usual. And then Kenyon Drake, again, depending on Dylan's status, Jones' status, workload looks like, like maybe he's someone who takes, um, you know, season increased in opportunities as well. Uh, and Matt LaFleur, Adam Stenovich both echoed similar sentiments that as far as if if they have to rely on him to some degree, they're both confident in him uh, being able to step on the field and handle those responsibilities. They said for him coming in, really the biggest adjustment has been just the terminology. But once you know the terminology, he's a veteran. He's been around, been a productive ball carrier. When the ball's in his hands, he knows what to do. So little hesitation from Lafleur or Stenovich if Kenyon Drake does have to be relied upon in some capacity. Uh, Dontavian Wicks is limited as well. Christian Watson, doubtful. And you know, it's probably going to need more opportunities for uh, Samori Toure, even if uh, even if Dontavian Wicks can go. We saw that last week with Watson down. Toure was wide receiver five. He played 18 snaps, had four targets in those 18 snaps. And to me, that just encapsulates the Jordan Love going wherever with the football. Absolutely. You know, the last few weeks, he's had nine players with at least a target, 10 players with a target. Like Samori Toure has been inactive more often than not the second half of the season. The fact that he just stepped onto the field, got four targets and only 18 snaps. Like Love doesn't care what you did the week prior, what you did the snap prior. And he's said that to these receivers all year long. Like if, if, if they miss a play, he's like, Hey, hold your head up. I'm coming back in your direction. I need you. And it's a that's big to pace, Paul. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> definitely different. <laughs> and so that's been his message. And I think the fact that Toure got those targets last week shows that. But he also said in the locker room that he feels that he has a strong rapport with love. And he brought up 2022 when both of them were on the scout team offense for seven, eight weeks out of last season. He said mm. that they built a connection during that time. And not just in the Giants game, but look back to the Denver game. I mean, when Toure has been active this season, he's gotten – the ball thrown his direction. And so I do wonder if there is that, you know, again, love will go wherever with the football, but I do wonder if there's still that little bit of secure additional security there because of the time that Toure referenced that they had together last off season. And just a quick little additional tangent on Toure. You know, he talked about how this season at times has been frustrating for him being inactive, being passed by Malik Keith. But he said at the end of the day, he just wants his team to succeed and he gets a lot of joy in watching that the the other members of that receiver room find success. Like that's one of the things about this young room. We talked about them growing together on the field, but I really feel like they're growing together off of it. Like that is a tight knit, tight knit group that the the Packers have in that wide receiver room right there, where they care about each other, they want to see each other be successful, and I think just working in that environment every single day, practicing every single day, I think that's just. You know, obviously doesn't guarantee success, but I think it definitely does help. So more opportunities for Toure, Quay Walker, uh, Darnell Savage, both listed as questionable. Quay practiced last two days limited. Darnell Savage did not practice at all this week um, for what it's worth. He had a chest injury last week, was questionable, and still played 53 snaps. So the fact that he didn't practice for three days, usually you're like, okay, he's not going to be out there. And maybe that's the case, but I'm just saying because he played this past week with a similar injury yeah. and played 53 snaps, I'm not sure that there's a ton that we can glean off of that uh, right now in terms of the injuries. And then Eric Stokes, last one, he's uh, questionable as well. He's going to be out there on Sunday. The, really? the, question, so? the question is in what capacity. He's been a full participant for 
six practices now in a row the last two weeks. The Packers moved on to release Caillou Blue Kelly from the roster on Tuesday. So now there's an opening. Eric Stokes is going to have to be added back on. And when you are designated to return from injured reserve, it opens a three-week window. At the end of that three-week window, if you're not put on the 53-man roster, you go back to IR and your season's over. Got it. So that day for Stokes is Monday. So that's, they're not going to get to that point. Like Stokes' season isn't going to be over. But I'm just saying the deadline's coming up for where they technically have to make a decision. So you factor in his availability at practice. The deadline's approaching. Uh, they cut Blue Kelly to have the roster spot open. I think all that just points to Stokes being available. Big question now is what capacity? Is it going to be like Denver where it's just special teams? You know, the difference between that Denver game and where we are now, Razul Douglas is in Buffalo. Uh, we don't know what Jair Alexander's availability is going to be on Sunday. Mm-hmm. And so if it is Carrington Valentine, Corey Valentine, I could see them being a little bit more aggressive in terms of, all right, we're going to give Stokes some additional defensive snaps. Right. I don't see, I, if I'm guessing, I don't see him starting. Um, I don't see him even playing 50% of the snaps because remember last time he was out there full capacity was week nine of 2022. Been a little bit. They're going to have to, they've been ramping them up in practice, but as we know, practicing games are completely different. And then as I was going through this, I realized I forgot to mention Jair Alexander. So he's questionable, been limited all three days this week. You know, I I have no idea. I'll I'll be honest with you. I don't know (laughs) if he's going to be out there or not. All the information in terms of what's going on there, I know just as much as everyone else on the outside. All the stuff that's been reported, all the stuff we see on Twitter, like that's my extent of where that situation is right now. So I I really have no idea what we know today. As Matt LaFleur said that when asked, what does Jair have to do to get on the field? Says there just has to be a confidence that his shoulder can hold up when he's out there for the for the course of the game. So that's that's where we're at right now. Definitely. And that's what we respect about you, Paul. You're going to, you're going to shoot us both barrels. <laughs> All right. Here's, here's what I know or don't know. Um, mm-hmm. There's definitely some speculation going on out there and, and we try to refrain from giving it any life if we don't know all the facts, but uh, just want to see that guy on the field as soon as possible, man. Cause when he's at his best, we seen it against, was it the Rams game? The last game he played, mm-hmm. he was phenomenal. I mean, just all over the place. He looked like old Jair. So since we're on the defensive side of the ball, why don't we stay there? Um, when it comes to the Tampa game, what do you think the keys to defense are at beating the Tampa Bay Buccaneers here at uh, at noon on Sunday at Lambeau Field? What do you think uh, the defense needs to do really to kind of get the job done? So we all know about Mike Evans. We all know about Chris Godwin. Uh, I wrote about uh, wrote about this week Rashad White, their running back, yeah. and the Tampa Bay running game hasn't been overly dynamic by any means, but he's one of the most productive pass catching running backs in football this year. Targets, yards after the catch, total yards. I think receiving touchdowns, he's up there as well. He's fourth on the team in total targets this season uh, among the Buccaneers. So he's a big part of that offense. And I asked Matt LaFleur about this. The stressor is you have Mike Evans, you have Chris Godwin. Obviously Evans can really stretch the field. And then you have Rashad White as a checkdown option or a you know a short area option in the passing game. 
So in terms of trying to stop White or stop Evans downfield, like you can't do both on the same play. Absolutely. You got to pick and choose. You got to pick. Obviously, it's going to be how's the game unfolding? What's the situation? There are a million variables that go into it. But on a single specific play, you got to pick one or the other in terms of, all right, what am I going to try to limit here? And obviously, if you choose the Evans one, give extra cushion, more space underneath for White, vice versa. So to me, that's going to be one of the big matchups in this game outside of the obvious, you know, stop Mike Evans, get after Baker Mayfield, all that stuff. But how do the Packers go about striking that balance between trying to slow White in the passing game without letting, you know, Mike Evans take over and the opposite as well. Don't put all your attention on Mike Evans. And then, you know, there's a bunch of easy catch and run opportunities for Rashad White. The Packers actually have been pretty good this season at defending running backs in the passing game. And from a production standpoint, they've gone up against some of the some of the best in the game this season. Uh, Jameer Gibbs twice for Detroit, Josh Jacobs for the Raiders, uh, Jalen Warren for the Pittsburgh Steelers. All of them are top 10 in yards and targets this season. And Green Bay did a really good job at limiting them. Now, you know, the one of the big differences is you got Mike Evans to contend with. And obviously the Raiders have Devontae Adams, but that was a Jimmy Garoppolo led Devonte Adams. That wasn't a team pushing the ball down the field. And Baker Mayfield ranks fourth in pass attempts this season at twenty plus yards. So he's absolutely it's Baker Mayfield. He's absolutely willing and hoping and ready to let it rip as well. So for me on that side of the ball, that's one of the big matchups to keep our eyes on, just because uh, the the that the dynamic ability that we know Evans has, but what Rashad White has shown this season as well. Definitely. It's something that, that kind of popped out to me, too. Uh, according to PFF, Rashad White, 72.9. Mike Evans, 82.4. And, of course, Goblin on the opposite side, 74.5. If Goblin is healthy. Um, like you said, man, you that's one thing as fans, I know I've been guilty of it in the past, too. It's just like, why don't you just take this away or take that? If you take that away, it makes you vulnerable here, right? If you're focused on the run, it's going to make you vulnerable on the backside. I think we would all agree I do not like the idea of – of him playing, of Mike Evans playing boundary X going up against Valentine in a one-on-one situation. If you decide to go cover one and spin that mm-hmm. safety into the box, that's just, whoo, that's giving me flashbacks. Uh, on the offensive side of the ball, Paul, what do you think? Uh, what do you think the keys are for the Packers uh, on offense against the Bucks? Yeah, absolutely. And before I get that, I just want to bounce back to defense really quick because I always love a good story. And Ryan Downard, the safeties coach, says that each week. Uh, especially when they're going up against like a play action oriented offense or uh, an offense where the running back might be involved heavily in the, in the passing game like this, that for his safety room, you know, when they're going through their kind of, all right, here's what we need to know for the week. He put the first page of the, of the PowerPoint or whatever they use is a, is a bald Eagle. Trust your eyes. That's the message to that safety room. And so when we talk about uh, Rashad white in the passing game, for the safeties, the linebackers, trust your eyes, read your keys, and then it's all 11 swarming to the ball and, you know, making sure that they're making the tackles. But I, 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 I like I said, I love a good story and, and, and appreciate yeah. the, the message that uh, Downard puts out there to echo the, all right, see, trust what you see, and then make sure you react to it. Absolutely. And you heard Matt LaFleur say in the postgame presser, or it was the, the following morning after they got home from that, that red eye, he talked about, you know, Keyshawn in that situation, that 32-yard gain at the end. He said, you got to keep your eyes on your work, especially when you're playing that cover one man. And, of course, Keyshawn was playing a little bit aggressive, bit inside, got burned outside. So, In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. 
We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Eyes are everything in the secondary, that's for sure. Um, yeah, offensive side of the ball, what do you think, Paul? I mean, I think it, it kind of gears around Aaron Jones, but we're all to the point now where it's like even if Aaron Jones plays, probably going to be in a limited fashion, I would imagine. But how do you see this offense playing out? I think they got to come out passing the ball. I know they don't have Christian Watson, and I think his or I know his presence was very much missed against the Giants. There's the obvious big playability that he brings, but just the attention that he draws, the gravity that he has creates better spacing opportunity for others. So likely, obviously, he's doubtful, not going to be out there. Dontavian Wicks we'll see as well. But even if Dontavian Wicks doesn't play or he's limited, I think the passing game is how they have to attack this Bucks defense. The Tampa front seven is uh, stout, we'll say that. And I know Vita Vea is, I think, question, or doubtful for Sunday's game. So okay, that I would be that. That would be a – let me know if I'm wrong. But that would be obviously a huge, huge loss for uh, for Tampa Bay, just his presence. And, you know, he's way more than just a run stuffer. He has the ability to get after the quarterback as well. But that Bucks front seven, they still have Devin White, Levante David at linebacker. They're allowing just 3.9 yards per rush this season, which is top 10 in the NFL. On the flip side, in the passing game, they're allowing 7.2 yards per pass attempt. That's the fourth highest rate in football. I think they're giving up the first or second most total receiving yards this season. Like That's where the opportunity against this defense has been all season. Now, with that said, Samori Toure also said that he equated this matchup to the Saints. We all remember how physical those Saints quarterbacks are, playing up on the line of scrimmage, using their hands, being aggressive. 
he talked about this Bucks secondary in a similar fashion. And I asked him, I know I, I, I specified, I know you can't, you know, reveal any secrets here, but preemptively knowing that's coming, what, is there something you can do to, you know, put yourself in a better position or is it just reacting to that, you know, those hands, that aggressiveness in the, in the, you know, in the moment. And he said, you know, knowing it's coming is already just a huge, you know, uh, element of this for the receivers. They can get their hands up. They can be better prepared for it, but that's something this Packers secondary or receiver room is going to have to be ready for. And at this point in the season, compared to a month ago, two months ago, I think there's so much, and I know there's so much better equipped to handle that. Uh, cause I think early on in the season, especially that saints game and the early going, like that was really throwing off the timing of these routes for these receivers where they were supposed to be. So I think just given the experience that they have, they're better equipped to handle that also in the secondary. Cause I don't want to, you know, build up that, Oh, they'll be able to do whatever they want in the passing game. There's Antoine Winfield at safety, Mr. Mr. Do it all. You know, he yeah. plays in the slot in the box, free safety. He blitzes. I think he's, First among safeties and sacks this season, top two or three in pressures. Uh, he's top five in pass rush opportunities among the safety position. He's first among safeties in PFF's run defense grade, and he's fourth, I believe, in forced incompletions among the safety position. Like you name it, blitzing, coverage, uh, run defense, he's doing it all right now. And so the Packers, they just got they got to know where that guy is on every single snap. Uh, and just be mindful of him because he is someone who will absolutely wreck a play. So having said that, I think that's where the opportunity lies for the offense. The Packers have done, um, uh, uh, or the Buccaneers, excuse me, have allowed teams in in between the 20s to really move the ball on them. But where they've really buckled down is in the red zone. This is one of the top red zone defenses in football. And Adam Stenovich, when asked specifically, all right, what do they do in that part of the in that part of the field that makes them so stout? Well, one is they're really good against the run game. We've heard Matt Lafleur on a few occasions this season in terms of the Packers' own woes on offense. What's contributed to that? And a lot of it starts with the run game. That's already a condensed part of the field. If you can't move the ball on the ground and you have to through the air, there's just less space to operate in. It's innately more difficult to find that success in the passing game in that part of the field. So the Bucks are really good at stopping that. He also said in that part of the field too, the cornerbacks, the safeties do a really good job of working together, of funneling everything back towards the middle where they have their dynamic duo of linebackers, David and White, they're rangy and able to make plays. So that's going to be, obviously we know red zone performance is always a key indicator to a team success in a game, but the Packers have struggled. They're bottom third in red zone touchdown success this season. The Bucs have been one of the best at keeping teams out of the end zone. So that's going to be a really, really key matchup that the Packers have to find a way to win. Good stuff, man. Good stuff. I'll tell you, every time I hear Winfield, I have flashbacks from his pops in Minnesota, right? Just one of the, <laughs> one of the players that Aaron Rodgers always constantly bragged on. Just a smart football player, hard hitter. He played corner, right? Am I thinking right? It was just corner. He didn't mm-hmm. play safety much. Um, yeah, solid player out there on the edge. I remember him lighting up running backs off the edge like, my gosh. That is a safety playing corner right there. But, Paul, we sure appreciate your time, man. Every time you come in, you uh, we learn so much, and uh, it's always a pleasure to, to talk ball with you, my friend. Awesome, Clayton. Thank you again. Take care. Yeah, you too, pal. Again, that's Paul Brittle. You can follow him at Paul underscore Brittle. You can check out his work at PackersWire.com and Dairyland Express. Appreciate you, Paul. Take care, guys. All right, see you. All right, we bring in Emilio now, man. Always good stuff with Paul. Um, 
ton of stuff here, man. I tell you, uh, talking about you know some of the stuff I hadn't heard all week. Uh, right. AJ Dillon trying to uh, trying to protect that thumb. You know they're trying out different things, padding, different braces, all that good stuff, uh, doing everything they can to try to get that uh, worked around for sure. Uh, he, he expects Samori Torre to get more targets, uh, even though Wicks might be trending in the direction of playing. Um, of course, you may have a situation where Torre needs to to eat up some of those snaps as well. And then, of course, kind of took me off guard. He said, you got to come out passing, man. They're allowing, allowing 7.2 yards passing per attempt. This might be a big Jordan Love breakout game, man. That's uh, that's something I'm excited about seeing. Let's start with you, Emilio. Any takeaways from Paul before we get into the rest of the content? If we get a if we get a passing breakout game, can we get that forty burger and just can we just put it to bed? You know, get get Jordan Love his first. Uh, no, great stuff by Paul as always. I love that he was a hundred. You know, so confident on Eric Stokes. I can't wait to see him out there. Um, uh, it's just it's good stuff. I feel like we're getting excited again, getting rev back up, man. Football's right around the corner. Definitely. What about you, Tim? Any any key takeaways from Paul there? Uh, talking about the Bucks secondary being aggressive. And our receivers have got to find a way to use that against them. If they want to play rough and tough at the line, we got to find a way to beat them and get to your space and get open. And, you know, yards after the catch. Um, I saw a couple comments talking about Tucker Craft breakout game like Mike right here. I, I see it. You know, uh, you can't guard everyone. You can't double everyone. You can't bracket everyone. So there's going to be free runners, um, you know, offensively and you know we got to just give Jay money time in the pocket to get rid of it and hit these guys you know I agree with Paul I think we got to like I kind of alluded to this morning we we have to you know pass to set up a run game rather than the conventional run the ball to set up your pass so look yeah. for our receivers um, not just wide wide outs but running backs and tight ends to contribute here this weekend for sure yeah no doubt about it man no doubt about it uh, let's see here. Doug in the chat acts like he got some tea to spill, so we'll uh, we'll wait on him to comment. Doug says, I got more on Jair today from a Packers beat reporter on a radio show. We'll wait until after Paul is done. I know he doesn't like that type of stuff. Hey, Doug, thank you for doing that because, uh, Paul, like I said, that's not his not his alley, not his avenue, and I respect the hell out of him for it. Um, but anything you got there, just throw it in the chat, and we'll kind of kind of talk it over here a little bit. Let's get to some of the content we wanted to cover, too. I swear I could talk to Paul all night, man. He just he brings the absolute thunder. I just want to say so much info, out. man. I know it. And, and it, you, he doesn't miss a beat. I'm over here trying to use images. Papal Bailey, what, <laughs> what are we doing next? He's just bang, bang, bang. He's so good at what he does, man. So make sure y'all go give him a follow. Like I said, all at Paul underscore Brettel. Also hit that like button for us so other Packer fans can find this channel and find this content. All right, before we get into that extra content, Doug in the chat says, Rob Domofsky calling into ESPN Milwaukee today on the Brush Show um, said he had, quote, informed speculation. <laughs> I listen to a lot of talk radio, and I have never heard informed. <laughs> look at Tim. Look at Tim, Amelia. <laughs> Tim's wearing it up. Don't even, I, I got nothing to say. I got nothing to say on this, boys. It's all you. I'm not touching this. Tim, take you a break, man. We'll, we'll get with you here in a minute. He said, informed speculation on Jair's issue. said, Jair is in pain, but he also does not like how he is employed in the scheme. So there you go. That's the latest from, from Doug over here spilling that tea in the harbor. Um, and uh, we appreciate you uh, muscling through there, Tim. You're, you're an absolute pro. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, dude. I look up there. Anytime you see Tim like this <laughs> – 
you know something's about to go. You guys remember that game we were watching earlier we, where we said you got to love the the holding call on a player yet to be named? Yeah, where, yeah. Where we had we had a holding call, but we, the officials couldn't tell us who that player was. That's how I feel about reports like this. Informed <laughs> speculation from someone I won't name or nothing nothing concrete. But boy does, it make, boy, does it make great talk radio, doesn't it? They just wake up and go, I think I'll have a make-believe buddy tell me some news today. <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying Rob's doing that, but that's the first thing that goes through our minds when you can't put a name on it, right? Um, it's just I completely understand your yeah. frustration, Tim. But, again, I think it's important we cover it. I think it's important we talk about it, too. So uh, there you go. All right, let's do this. Let's kind of get to some of the information surrounding this game coming up. Paul hit on the injuries. I'm just going to rattle them off real quick. Rob Domofsky, of all guys, right? Mm -hmm. uh, Mr. What was it? Informed speculation himself. Um, other questionables, Darnell Savage, Eric Stokes, Quay Walker, Dontavian Wicks, and Jair Alexander. Doubtful is Christian Watson. Jaden Reed off of the injury report and good to go. So it sounds like Jaden Reed's going to be good to go. That's great news. If Tay Wicks can play somewhat of a role, um, I think we're uh, we're going to be in pretty good hands. At least have a, a decent shot at winning this ball game. Uh, a further, an earlier tweet, Rob Demosky said Matt Lafleur on whether AJ Dillon can't handle the ball in practice or could handle the ball in practice with his broken thumb. "Quote: We're kind of working through it right now. We'll see where it uh, where we're at. Had it padded pretty good. Of course, Paul said they've tried braces, they've tried padding, doing everything they can on Aaron Jones's progress. Quote: He did what he needed to do today. So." Pretty, uh, pretty vague there. No new, new, no real new news there. Um, as far as the injury report, just real quick, questionable is Jair Alexander. Like I said, AJ Dillon, Aaron Jones, Darnell Savage, Eric Stokes, which it sounds like he is going to be playing probably a limited role, but it'll be really cool to see Stokes out there. Uh, Quay Walker is questionable, doubtful Christian Watson and Dontavian Wicks is questionable. So just want to kind of give you guys an update there. Now, as far as the playoffs, guys. So as it sits right now, the chances of making the playoffs for the Green Bay Packers, if they win against Tampa on Sunday, they have a 71% chance of making the playoffs. If they lose, it drops all the way down to 29%. This is like, like we talked about. You lose this game, there's a there's a really good chance you're going to miss the playoffs. This is a mm -hmm. must win. This is what I love about being being in the hunt late in, late in the year. Every game now, Tim, every game's playoff game, man, from here on out, bro. I've, I've felt that way for a couple of weeks already. Mm -hmm. You know, I it was disheartening to drop the game to Buffalo, but you know, or excuse me, to to New York to the Giants. Um, you know, we got all NFC games the rest of the year here. You know, these are yeah. these all mean something. So yeah, certainly from this point, we you know, for all intents and purposes, we better win out here. You know, if we want any kind of comfortability uh, going into the playoffs with any kind of certainty. But um, yeah, I mean, numbers don't lie. And uh, Tampa is a tougher opponent than the New York Giants. So, you know, luckily we're at uh, 1265. So home game always helps. Got the home fans out there and uh, hopefully the boys get it done because we need every single win. But the, the main thing is to focus one game at a time, right? Try to go one and all. That's the, the ultimate uh, metaphor that we use every week. And let's just worry about one game at a time. And hopefully we stack up four wins here to close out the year. Yeah, mm -hmm. definitely. Donald in the chat said if Vita Vea doesn't go, it'll be big. It'll be absolutely huge. I mean, it, it's it's almost the equivalent of Dexter Lawrence playing or not playing from last week, right? Very similar situation. But how are you feeling about playoff chances right now, Emilio, based off of this 71% if they get a dub? I mean, it's a pretty much a must-win must -win game, right? Right. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's got to happen, you know, especially after a loss like that. 
Um, they, they've seen what a losing streak does to them. They, we weren't doing well in it. The fans weren't doing well in it. So uh, I don't think um, they're, they're trying to head that route. So, you know, I'm excited. Like Tim said, it's, it's one game, dude. We can't, we can't be looking two weeks out. We've tried that before when we did, when we looked one week ahead, we were in better shape. So, um, you know, you can only attack what's in front of you right now. Uh, I think that uh, they're heading that right direction, man. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Mike in the chat said, even if we don't go to the playoffs, this is a great learning experience for a young team. Again, I said six to ten wins. Right now, we're right in that ballpark. Anything, any other win for me is kind of a positive. Like, okay, we're we've got a foundation built here. Youngest mm-hmm. team in the league. Let's move forward. Let's start to build this roster out. Especially after you make a decision on Bach next year, whether he takes a pay cut and comes back, or you, uh, you know, part ways and free up roughly twenty million dollars. You know, either yeah. way, your team's going to be in a little bit better situation because he's either going to be on the field playing at a high level, unlike this year, or you're going to have some cap room to uh, to be able to maneuver a little bit more. And bring someone in, and all the heated eight. reps they're taking. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. All the heated reps that they're getting into, all the young guys. It's it, yeah. especially now. It's going to be crunch time. You know, they were putting themselves into situations they haven't been before. Absolutely, man. Very well said. United Bates says, in my opinion, Jair is not completely happy. I'm not saying he's right or wrong or somehow milking injuries. Just my observation from the interviews. I think we would all agree he's not his his old self right now. You could tell something's irking him. Absolutely. And that goes with what he shouted in the locker room, like we said there a few weeks ago so yeah i like that i can get behind that that's just an observation right absolutely no speculation there i 100 agree with bates there for sure mm-hmm. you know we well, can what, t- we can totally tell something's off uh, you know jaw's not his normal self um but how we go from that to he's faking an injury is just mind-boggling to me we need to start to use that we got to put that in our vocabulary it was an informed speculation is that right <laughs> informative speculation i think it was so every time we say that every time someone hits it we got to go where's where's that job where's the one where he's tackling love right in the middle of an interview you know that's 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 what i want to see again you know yeah he probably wants it too to be honest with you right yeah and it's not like he's not working at it it's not like he's not out there grinding trying to do everything he can so we're sitting here on the couch so Exactly. Update on the standings. Okay, currently the Packers are the seven seed. They're scheduled right now to play the Cowboys. If the playoffs started right now, they would play the number two seed Cowboys at Dallas. So the seeds go one San Francisco, two Dallas, three Detroit, four Tampa, five Philly, six Minnesota, uh, seven Green Bay Packers. And then you got eighth just outside, you know, looking in the L.A. Rams, the Seattle Seahawks and the Atlanta Falcons all at six and seven. And there's also down there at six and seven as the ticker blows past is the New Orleans Saints. Okay, so when we're talking about rooting interest, guys, this is really cool. We've got Saturday NFL football tomorrow. I'm so excited about football on a Saturday. Man, it's going to be absolutely awesome. So one in the one o'clock slot, you got Minnesota traveling to Cincinnati, okay? Um, obviously, we want the Bengals to win that game to knock Minnesota down a notch, right? Um, the other one, the next one that comes to mind is Denver at Detroit. I'd like to see Denver go in there and get a win and just continue to to, to just put a little bit of sake, a little bit of negative sake in Detroit, right? Like, okay, the league has caught up to us, right? Because they were just riding this 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 high wave all year long, and you see they're starting to take some on the chin here. Um, I would love to see that happen. Obviously, we want the Packers to beat Tampa. That's a one o'clock kickoff at Lambeau. Then we get the Giants traveling to New Orleans. We want the Giants to win that game because New Orleans has one more win than the Giants. So we want them to kind of beat each other up. We want the Giants to come out on top. That's in New Orleans, one o'clock kickoff. Carolina game. Atlanta travels to Carolina. I don't see it happening, but let's let's pray to sweet baby Jesus that Carolina can somehow pull out an upset there, right? 
Um, then we got Chicago going to Cleveland. Not that it really matters in the playoff hunt. We just want Cleveland to smack Chicago around a little bit. That'd be fun. Maybe we'll get some cold weather football there too. Um, the next game will be Washington at the LA Rams. Obviously, we're rooting for the uh, the Washington Commanders there. That's a 405 kickoff uh, in LA out there at uh, SoFi Stadium. Then we got San Francisco traveling to Arizona in the four o'clock slot. I'm pulling for San Fran. I want San Fran to stay away from the Packers personally. I want them to get that first round by. Right. And I want us to have a little bit of a shot to try to win that first playoff game. That's the only reason I circled them. I got roasted for it on Twitter. And every time I got roasted in the comment, I went, they got a good point. What the hell? Why? I would never want to root for San Francisco, right? <laughs> but that's, that's kind of how I see it. I want them to be that one seed. I want them to stay away from us in the first round. Um, that would be nice just to somehow, some way, look up, get a nice seed and, uh, you know, a, a later matchup with the seeding and be able to pull off a dub there. Dallas travels to Buffalo. Pulling for Buffalo in that one, you know, it really doesn't matter, I guess. But you kind of want Dallas, I think, to stay in that number two seed because Green Bay has played pretty well going down to Dallas in the past, right? So there's no no doubt about that. Let me drop the ticker down real quick. This last matchup on Monday night is going to be Philadelphia at Seattle. Obviously, Seattle's still kind of in the hunt. You want Philly to, uh, to knock them off, and I, th- I think there's a good chance they do that, although it is hard to play in uh, out there in uh, – Seattle, you know, with the 13th or the 12th man that they call it, right? So uh, there you go. That's kind of the games to watch for this week. Anything y'all want to hit on, Tim? Anything you want to hit on there? Is there, is there one game that pops out to you? Say, man, I'm looking forward to that one other than the Packers. Uh, no, you know me. I'm all Packers all day. Um, I guess um, probably the Saturday treat of football yeah. is going to be good, be kind of cool. And two um, division rivals, right? So, exactly, yeah. exactly. So, um you know, and then looking forward just, you know, not to get ahead of ourselves here, but it'll be funny to break this down in a couple of weeks and see how the landscape has really changed uh, in just a few short weeks here as the season closes out. So um, hopefully the Packers just take care of business, man. Get a dub every day. <laughs> Absolutely. What about you, Emilio? Anything stick out to you there, man? Same thing Saturday. That, that'll be good. Um, you know, a little late night snack there, Denver, uh, Detroit game. And then I, the only thing I was – wondering on wouldn't we want Dallas to win that Buffalo game then they'd stay in the lead in there in the Let's look at that's a great question or so if Dallas if Dallas wins that game Philly's sitting at 10 and 3 too so if yeah if Dallas loses that game then Philly has a chance to leapfrog them right so that would mean we would play Philly so the question is would you rather play Dallas or rather play Philly Ooh. Philly's a much better running team than Dallas is, I believe. Dallas absolutely dices man up. So I feel like if you come out and you play zone against Dallas, you got the advantage. But this is why I asked the question on Twitter. I'm with you. I think I think I agree there, man. I think I would rather rather Dallas uh you know us play Dallas than Philly. Go see Mike, say what's up, you know, (laughs) play a little play a little zone out there. But no for real, I I don't know if I would want to face Jalen right away. Uh just, just in the I could just round. see them running for 700 yards on us. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, that's that's a person that comes to mind. Hey, as long as they only score 14 points, it wouldn't matter, right? Good point. That's a good point. <laughs> Very good point, Tim. I like the way you think. Let's go to the PFF summary of the game here. Uh, PFF has Green Bay uh, power ranking their 10th in the league. Their defense is 11th. What? Yeah, that's right, 11th. Power oh. ranking on offense, 10th. And then strength of schedule, they're 21st now. Tampa's strength of schedule is 20th, so you can see they're pretty neck and neck. Now, overall ranking, they got Tampa at 23rd, so Packers, what, 13 spots higher than Tampa overall. Defense, they're 25th. That's 14 spots uh, lower than Green Bay there, so Green Bay's got the advantage there. And then, of course, on offense, 
they're ranked 21st. Green Bay is 10th, so 11 spots lower than Green Bay there. So according to PFF across the board, the Packers should have the advantage here. We know that means diddly-poo in the NFL. When you look at the green line here, uh, the market, we are three-and-a-half-point favorites, right? Um, PFF has it at four. So what that means with their analytics, they're, they're suggesting that it's actually, you know, the Packers are, are a half a point uh, more of a favorite than what the market is giving right now. Um, as far as the cash, 74% of the spread cash is on Tampa and 61% of the tickets are on Green Bay. So kind of kind of a little bit of a push there. On the money line, just winning outright, right? Um, they get the Packers at minus 182. 69% of the cash is on Tampa, and 74% of the tickets are on Green Bay. So you can kind of see the waffling there, right, as far as the tickets and the cash. Um, might be a little closer than we expect there, for sure. Now, when you go over to um, Bet US and their point spread, you can find it here. Obviously, Green Bay money line is minus 170. And like I said, three and a half point favorites. You can find all that action there. You're probably going, why are you mentioning Bet US, Clayton? Because they are the official sports book of Packers Total Access. All right. Man. So want to welcome them on board. Really excited to partner up with them. Understand that the link here on YouTube, if you click on the description and you'd like to check out Bet US, I'll tell you, they've got a smooth interface, really nice setup. I've been, I won't, I won't mention the competitor's name, but I've used someone else up to this point. Went and checked out BetUS and really like what they've got to offer. All you do is click on this, uh, the description of this video. You'll see a link down there. If you guys click on that link and you've never used BetUS, you click on that link, register for free on their site. Because you clicked on that link, you support our show as well. So we would definitely appreciate that. One bet I did want to mention real quick since we were on Bet uh, BetUS. Sometimes props are some of the funnest bets to look at. PFF edge, this is their top percentage edge this week. It's Cade Otten prop bet saying under two and a half receptions. And you'll notice all three bars of their edge betting system there is full at 21.5%. They feel like this is the best bet of the week, according to their analytics. Basically saying the over-under for receptions for Cade Otten is set at two and a half. So if you go under two and a half, they feel like that's the best value, the best bet that they provide right now. So just wanted to mention that. And when you go to BetUS, you'll find that prop bet right here. Kate Otten, you'll see it on the right side there, under two and a half, it's plus 120. Basically, if you were to bet 10, you you would bet $10 to win 12. You would bet $100 to win 120. If you took the, um, if you took the over, you would have to bet $10 to win 15, right? Or I'm sorry, you'd have to bet 15 to win 10 is the better way of putting it. So just wanted to kind of mention that. Again, BetUS, excited to partner up with them. They're the official sports book of Packers Total Access, been in business since 1994, America's favorite sports book. So appreciate their partnership for sure. That's good stuff. Now, go ahead, I'm sorry. No, I was just saying that's good stuff. That's exciting. Yeah, man, I, you know, they reached out to us and said, hey, we were looking over your channel. Really like what you guys bring to the table. You guys are talking betting odds, uh, you know, I know your your show isn't completely geared around it, but you mention it, and that's how I'll, I want to keep it. I don't want this to turn into a gambling show. Right. I want it to turn into it's important to keep your finger on the pulse of the lines, right? And then I'm going to try to pick one out each week. I'm not saying go throw your money at this bet. I'm simply saying this seems to be the one that seems to be the safest bet, and I like to pick prop bets. And I tend to lean toward under on prop bets because a multitude of things could happen. The player could get hurt. Anything could happen, right? The quarterback could get injured. And the backup quarterback come in, and that would affect 
that wide receiver, that tight end, whoever, right? So there's a number of different things that could happen. More could go wrong than right, I guess is what I'm saying. So that's why I try to lean toward those bets. But let's talk about the matchups, Tim. Uh, Paul kind of hit on it. Let's look at the PFF matchups. Let's start with the uh, offensive personnel, 12 personnel, right? Our base set. Uh, left tackle, let's start up front. Left tackle, Rasheed Walker, 66.0. Elton Jenkins, 64.9. Imagine that. Rasheed Walker grading out higher than Elton. That's absolutely wild. Myers is at 63.5. He is now the 18th highest graded center. You got John Runyon at 53.0. Uh, obviously, he's kind of the weakest link on that offensive line right now. Zach Tom, 78.8. 10th highest graded tackle in the league. We know now he's the third highest uh, graded right tackle. When you look at their defensive front, you've got Hall at right end, 52.2. Gaines at 48.5. Cansey at 48.5. You'll notice Vita Vea isn't in there. They're kind of leaning toward him, probably not playing. If that's the case, Paul, I like our chances here. I feel like we've got – I feel like we can win the trench battle here up front, man. How do you see it? Um, I, I got to be honest. Um I'm really concerned about the linebackers <laughs> yeah. and, and, and obviously the secondary um, a little bit here, especially we, we talked about Winfield. That's uh, the highest graded safety, man. It's, in the it's scary, you know, and we, we talked about how we have to attack in the passing game and it's like, we gotta, <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. We gotta, we gotta account for that guy back there. And, and like you talked about Clayton with Paul earlier that, you know, Winfield's one of these guys, like, you know, you don't know where he's going to be. You know, pre-snap, post-snap, you know, there could be a lot of changes um, where they're setting him up and, you know, has the ability to kind of sniff sniff out the ball. Um, so Jordan Love's got to be very, very particular with when he's releasing this ball and and who's out there. This is not the game to uh, to chuck one up in racket coverage uh, if you're facing pressure. So, um, but yeah, up front, you know, I, I honestly, I think, you know, Josh Myers has played a, a little bit better as of late. Um, I wish we could say the same thing for JRJ, but, um, you know, we say it a lot. Games are won and lost in the trenches. Um, you know, hopefully this line holds up um, against their front, which I think we can. And uh, if J Money's got time and guys can get open and win their routes, we've got a good chance to move the ball, you know, methodically against this defense. So I hope that's the outcome. Mm -hmm. Got it. What do you think, uh, Emilio, when you look at our base, our 12 personnel against their base 34? Um, I, one thing I've been, I've been liking the way Sims has been playing. Uh, I know Tucker Kraft's getting a lot of, a lot of hype, but when Sims has been in there, he's been, he's been working, man. He, he connects on his blocks, it seems. And, uh, um, he's not afraid to run around and get out there and catch it. So, um, I, I like that, you know, we're, we're, we're solid outside on the wings with the wide receivers and the corners. I think that'll be a good battle. But like, like Tim was saying, you were saying Clayton, uh, Winfield, man, he plays all over the field slot you know they'll bring him on blitzes he's got sacks he's got picks i mean he's like a, he's a he's a multi-tool i mean yeah the guy can do it all so uh we just got to be ready i think it'll be a good challenge for love just you know put another thing on this team you know a, uh you know an elite safety out there to go up against that have to you know we gotta we gotta finagle it work through it figure out who, who's open how are we going to get back by this so i like it deal when you go to 11 personnel let's let's focus on the receivers for a second you've got Dontavian Wicks is still the highest graded receiver on the Packers roster and he's starting to pull away a bit 73.7 on the opposite side you got Romeo Dobbs 69.3 you got Jaden Reed in the slot at 68.7 of course you got Tucker Kraft slowly starting to climb up he's 57.8 now 
PFF grade. He's actually the 38th highest graded tight end, so almost starting caliber when you take into consideration there's 32 teams and how those those grades fall. Now, when you look at the matchup against the corners, like Tim had already mentioned, you know, Winfield at safety, the top graded safety in the league, just an absolute monster back there at safety. You got Delaney on the other side at 62.2. When you look at the corners, you got Dean on the outside, 64.9. You've got Azeen, I think is how you say it, 61.2. And then, of course, you've got McCollum, I think, is who's on the other side at 49.2. I'll be honest with you. haven't heard of most of these guys. I'm not going to try to bluff you here, okay? Um, to me, it looks like the wide receivers, you lock the matchups there against the wide receivers. I see what you're saying with the linebackers, Tim, and especially the safety. That safety can't be on both sides of the field, though, right? I can't even remember, too, what their tendencies were. I'm going to try to pull it up real quick because I want to remember how often they play split. Let's see. So middle field close, they play it 48% of the time. That's 10th highest. And the middle field open is 38% of the time. That's 22nd highest. So there's going to be a good little rotation, but mostly in middle field close, which means single high. I imagine that Winfield is going to be the guy patrolling center field. So there may be some boundary shots. The question is, will we take them? And when we have them, Tim, we'll love to get it out on time or, or stick to that hitch, man. That's going to be the question. I think that's the key. You, you know, you got to you got to look for those opportunities, but you have to be patient and you have to know when they're not there and it's not the time to pull the trigger. Um, and I think, you know, getting creative with some of these routes that, you know, Matt LaFleur offense is known to have, um, like my favorite, the slurl, you know, jabbing some of these in there can kind of, you know, you can kind of expand a defense a little bit, I guess, is the word I'm looking for. And then you know, they have to adjust to that and then you get your shots, the shots will open up, but you know, yeah, you're right. You know, safety can't be on both sides of the field. If there was one that could do it, it's probably Winfield jr. <laughs> so, right. Right. um, you know, just, he's, he's kind of one of those guys. It's almost like a second mic, you know, like there, there's the mic and then there's the other mic that's, that's going to be involved in some of these plays. Um, you, you always have to be aware um, because, you know, to Clayton's point, a lot of these guys are, you know, no namers dudes that are not super familiar um, to us and um, no namers till we play on Tim. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. And you know what? That's just like us though too, right? A lot of mm -hmm. a lot of our guys are nobodies to a lot of the league so far. Very true. So you know this could be an interesting matchup. I mean, just looking at the PFF grades, I mean it's it's not the be all to end all, but it is a great metric to help you understand some of these new faces. And you know this is not you know speculation. This is a good you know three quarters of an NFL season here that we're basing a lot of this off of. So uh, you get a good idea who the who the matchup's going to be, but yeah, I think for this for this game, it's all about diagnosing. You know, offensively, Jordan Love's got to you know diagnose these plays the right way and trust the reads and just be in time and in rhythm. And if we can do, you know, that starts at the line. If our line can hold up and give him that time to make his reads, then I think we're going to be good. I really do. Right. Yeah. No. And and like you were saying, Tim, if Winfield is running that. Uh, if they're running at 50% on middle field close and Winfield happens to not be, you know, patrolling, uh, you know, the outfield out there, then let's take it. Let's take a shot. You know, I would be completely fine with that. If we got, I didn't, I can't even see his name. What's that? The other safety up there running middle field close Delaney. If he, uh, if he's up there running middle field close, I would be completely fine with Wicks running a, you know, a stop and go or, yeah. uh, you know, a double move kind of thing. That's Look for Lafleur to try and scheme scheme Winfield out of something too. Right, right? try and pull yeah. him down or yep. 
If you he know, sees what, something that that pulls him down, right? If he if he, if he sees a play on tape, pulls him in. Hey, we got the look we want. Can can. Let's go. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Love it, man. Love it. We'll hold the defense to good morning Lambo tomorrow morning. Um, since we're kind of up against the gun, I want to finish off here in the chat. Um, let's see here. We got Mike in the chat said, honest question, guys. Do you think there's a chance we, I don't know if it's a question or not. I think he's, no, yeah, it's a question. Do you think there's a chance we fire Barry in the offseason? Matt LaFleur seemed a little baffled by the defensive strategy at the end of the Giants game. Um, I think everything's on the table, Mike. I really do. You know, Tim pointed out position coaches too. You know, there's a reason that we're not tackling. There's a reason that people aren't schematically sound. I know everybody wants to dump that at the footstep of uh, of Joe Barry. And and yes, he should shoulder the majority of the blame for those mistakes. Those that him and the players. But I think there's some positional uh, coaching aspects that are that are kind of off a little bit too. Now, as far as Matt Lafleur seeming baffled, you guys, I made my opinion pretty clear. I posted a couple of videos of the actual press conference and him talking. I think that a lot of people overlooked what Matt was saying. What Matt was saying is we got to get that corrected. He didn't say who he was going to correct. He said we got to get it corrected. Then Barry come out, and he tried to protect um, Carrington Valentine, but at the same time he said, look, he didn't get the call. That's why he was playing so far off. Immediately people say, well, you're playing off the entire game. It's simply not true. They One person came right back and said, well, how come the guy on the opposite side is playing nine yards off? And I was like, look at – that's a second and five play. That was the country quarters play. They weren't in man coverage. Look at the man coverage play. Keyshawn Nixon's up on the line. That's why he got his booty cheeks burned, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, just got to learn to think a little bit. It's it's not – trust me, I'm a dumb redneck from Tennessee. If I can figure it out, you can figure it out. But let's stop jumping to conclusions here. I feel like that's what Matt was saying, Mike. Um, I could be wrong. I feel like Barry kind of confirmed it. And if he hadn't confirmed it, I feel like Matt would have said something. But – uh at the same time, though, I think there's a legit chance Barry's gone. I do. Um, am I going to be surprised if he's back? No, because we're a top-10 scoring defense. Right. And I think that you're looking up to and going, look at all the injuries they're dealing with. Look at – you're a top-10 scoring defense, even with a seventh-rounder, uh, seventh I think two seventh-rounders playing corner. you got a – you know, at safety, what is it? Uh, Jonathan Owens back there playing. He was a free agent signing. That dude is a journeyman. He was, he mm-hmm. was actually – the lowest graded safety in all of football, according to PFF last year. You know who was second lowest? Darnell Savage. They got third next to him. Like I said in the offseason, Goody's got a top. It's not good, but he's got top. Uh, Paul Robertson said, do you realize uh, Dallas – he said, you do realize uh, Dallas just blew out Philly and dominated them, right, O'Mare? It's a good point, Paul. Uh, you know, I, I think for me in the NFL, that can happen any game. It mm-hmm. comes down to matchups, right? That's the big thing for me. And I feel like we would match up a little bit better that with Dallas. And here's the thing. We talk about coordinator versus coordinator, right, Tim? Last year, coordinator versus coordinator. Mike McCarthy, well, at the time it was actually uh, Kellen Moore. But that offense that Mike McCarthy put together, and people were saying they were going to run heavy this year and they come out, they didn't change anything. He just <laughs> like Kellen Moore gone. He's still winging it all over the yard. But – we picked Dak off, what, two times in that game, I believe, if I remember correctly. Yeah. So the matchup there between Joe Barry and Mike McCarthy right now is kind of leaning towards Joe Barry, at least in head-to-head, something to keep an eye on there. Philly, mm-hmm. if they start running the rock, it's just going to be hard. Let's put it this way. If uh, if Tommy Cutlets can run all over you, I'm pretty sure Jalen Hurts could. That's, that's yeah. the reason I tend to lean toward 
I'd like to face Dallas. So I'm glad you pointed that out on the on the schedule, though, Emilio, for sure. And, and like you said there, Clayton, um, with Barry having uh, you know Mike's number there with a couple picks, it's kind of the same thing with Barry having uh, you know Mayfield's number. I think he's got what uh, it's like three to five picks the past three times he's played there. So um, you know it's it's all about how, how they approach it, how how he does it, and I think he's you know he, he's doing a decent job at it. I know I know we're all not. Uh, super happy with everything that comes out, but it's also the last thing that we saw on tape. You know, it's the last thing that burned into people's memory when it was the last time they watched the game, you know, Monday night when it happened. And then, uh, then they just uh, go off uh, running with it. So yeah. Tough, man. Yeah, for sure. All right. A couple more chats here. Let's see. Uh, Omer in the chat said, I'll still take Philly better than Dallas. Um, let's see. Chris in the chat says Pat could have drafted Winfield in the third. We traded up for Savage. Good Lord. Why, why do you do this to me, Chris? I was having a good night, bro. Yeah, I need something to cheer me up. Let me let me let me change the pace here. John Deere Green on a hot summer night. He rode Billy Bob loves Charlene. Damn, I didn't even know that, man. The pack could have tr- could have drafted Winfield in the third round, but we traded up for Savage in the first. You got anything to add to that, Tim? <laughs> <laughs> Fire Joe Barry. That's the that's the response. Or, or, or Joe Barry's the GM now. Hold on. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. I. Yeah. Did you guys know that we uh, drafted Kevin King instead of T.J. Watt too? Mm. <laughs> you know. I mean, we get a few of these. It's going to happen. You know. I. Josh instead of Creed. Hindsight's 2020, right? Yeah. Mike in the chat, he turns it back positive. Says Jaden Reed gonna get over 100 yards in the Tutter Sunday. My prediction. Hey, put it put it on the ticker. Yep. Put it down Let's on do the it. ticker. I like Donald. He 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 reacted the same way I did to the Winfield moves there. Thanks, Chris. Crying emoji. Uh, Mike in the chat says, "Did you guys watch Reggie Watts 30 for 30? Yes, I did. I've actually seen it twice now. Great program. Just understand." It's titled Minister of Defense. Many people got offended because it mentioned God. Okay. If the title says Minister of Defense, it's probably, notice it didn't say Reggie Watt, the football player, or Reggie Watt on the field. It was Minister of Defense. <laughs> so, yeah, Mike, I, I watched it. I thought it was great. I know it, it irked a few people that it was uh, about 90% about, you know, Reggie's faith, uh, being a Christian, and his walk through that faith and all that. I really appreciated it, man. That guy had a lot of stress on him at times. And uh, I respect people who are willing to go against the grain and try to find what they feel is the truth and not worry about what other people think. Um, I love how it ended, how Reggie had some regret. And uh, I didn't know all of that aspect. That really kind of caught me off guard. So if you guys haven't watched it, really, really good uh, documentary. Absolutely loved it. Omer in the chat says, three-year extension for Christmas for Barry so I can enjoy watching Packers Nation lose their minds. (laughs) See, you're just trolling now, Omer. And uh, I think you've been listening to me too long, bud, because you'll see some of my tweets. I'll just go, you know what? Let's let's smack the hornet's nest once today. Let's throw this out here, this fun little fact. United Bates, y'all should tune in to Philly Sports Radio. They're in shambles after dropping the last two. Coaching sucks. D sucks. Hurts sucks. And they also said in Philly, United Bates didn't say this, but I heard in Philly they said fire Joe Barry too. So uh, <laughs> there we go. Um, that's Philly, though, man. You, you're going to make me do that. United Bates, do me a favor. On Twitter or in the YouTube comments, um, you have to do it after the show, so I'll get a notification for it. I don't get these notifications here live. If you're on Twitter, shoot me a, a give me just give me a name of a pod that you listen to Philly wise. I'd like to give it a listen. I like to do that from time to time. Just try to hop around a little bit. So, um, all right. With that being said, I think we got the chat cleaned up. Want to thank everyone for uh, t- 
taking the time to hang out with us. Really appreciate y'all. Tim, parting thoughts, man. What you got for us? Man, looking forward to the game Sunday. It's must win football. This is huge. You know, second to last home game of the year. Um, you know, the we we put that graphic up one more time, Clayton. I mean, the numbers are serious, guys. Like we lose this game. What do we what do we go down to? Is it uh yeah, I can't see with the ticker there. Oh yeah, 29%. So losing is not an option here, guys. We we gotta get it done. And uh, you know, like Joe Barry says, the only stat that matters is the final score. So um I think it's going to be a grinder of a game. I really do. I think it's going to be close. Maybe not as much of a nail biter as the Giants game was, but um, I don't. I don't see a boat race here happening, and um, it's going to be a hard fought game. So I'm just looking forward to seeing how the Packers uh, respond. Maybe the fact that we've got banged up running backs um, is helpful in this game, considering that we need to throw the ball. Like Paul Brettle said, we gotta we gotta kind of air it out a little bit here and get the pass game going. So looking forward to the matchup. Always a treat when Mr. Baker Mayfield comes to comes to Lambeau. So uh, it'll be fun. Go That's back another up. one. That's another one, Tim. You had to mention it. I was at that game last year. I was <laughs> up there in a the suite with Jacob from Packernet Podcast, and uh, they showed a little highlight reels. Like, hey, Baker likes to give away some some interceptions, and there was Rasul Douglas picking off a pass. I was just like, God Almighty, what are y'all gonna do? By the way, guys, he is now the top ranked, according to PFF, he's the top ranked cornerback in the entire national football league so yay for the third round pick Milio, <laughs> what you got man uh tim said it man uh and you would we're ready for this uh i feel like after a loss they're gonna come back with that 71 percent. we need it you know matt's gonna push it we had a turnover differential last game matt's not gonna not gonna be happy with that they're gonna i think they're gonna clean that up real quick uh i think the penalties have gotten better um, we've, you know, we've been shoring up those little things that we don't see every time, but like Tim was saying, man, a- after the year's over, what do we look back on? What was the season record? You know, you got two numbers, sometimes three, if you get a tie in there, but it's not like you're looking back on the 1989 season. How many, how many rushing yards did we have? And, you know, like, so it's, it's, it's either individuals with stats or it's teams with wins and losses. Um, that's really all it comes down to once Sunday's over, once Monday's over. Uh, the team is moving there, man. I, I don't know why we got to keep kicking them. They're they're showing up to work every day too. So, I mean, let's just enjoy it. Like you said, we're only going to have a couple more months of this, and then it's uh, whispers. Yeah, it's us complaining that it's not football season, so we can get yeah. back to football season and complain <laughs> about it being football season. <laughs> Paul Robertson says sixty five plus six equals seventy one, and I was like, what does that mean? Derek K says 65%. And Jennifer Wright says 65%. Got <laughs> it in, guys. You got it in. Hey, we appreciate y'all hanging out with us again. I uh, just want to give a special shout out and say we appreciate uh, BetUS jumping on board as the official sports book of Packers Total Access Live. Again, guys, if you want to support the channel and do it in a way that costs no money at all, you just go to BetUS, uh, BetUS um, their website. There's a link actually in the description of this video. If you click on that link, it'll take you directly to the page. You register for free there, and it'll actually put us in, in better standing with BetUS and show that, hey, people actually watch that show. So, <laughs> with that being said, we appreciate you guys. Omer ended on a positive note, said, love 300 plus yards and four touchdowns. Minimum. And 40 burger. So, with the D touchdown. We're going to get a D touchdown. I'm feeling it. 
got to drop that 40 burger, man. We need it. Got to have okay. it. You know what I'm saying? Okay. If, yeah. Put the, love, put the hearts up. Book you it. drop that oh. 40 burger, you you go into uh, you go into work the next day like this. Oh, we're going to give him some I'm <laughs> saying ain't nothing better. Ain't nothing better. All right, guys, we're out here. For those of you listening on the pod, thank you so much for making us a part of your day. As always, let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world and go back. The power sweep. Actually, it's the, it's the lead play in our, in our offense. Tell the Defensive end, if he's over, if he's right, you drive down the first man who's inside. Pull back and get him, take the first man outside the offense. No one shows, you go right by them and feel this right. If the YN has the linebacker taken out, that's inside. If the YN has the linebacker in, he comes all the way around. If you look at this play, what we're trying to get is a seal here, and a seal here, and try to run this play in the alley.